No, that's insane. Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side, listeners. This is Stephen Robles. This is Nate Baranowski. And we have a third co-host on today's episode, our very first Patreon supporter ever. She's left us a good 50% of our Apple Podcast reviews, <laughs> even though she uses an Android phone. It is an incredible honor to have Cecily on Movies on the Side this week. Hello, Cecily. Thank you for having me on the show. I am glad to be here. Thank you for coming on, Cecily. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for posting about the show and supporting the show. And I think it's you and Nate's dad. I feel like whenever we actually ask for a review on the podcast for Apple Podcasts, you and, and Nate's dad always do it. So anyway, thank you for listening. And uh, we listeners, we did a whole Patreon episode with Cecily as well. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you can hear that. But if not, we encourage you. You can learn about Cecily's interesting car practices. I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, Cecily has some interesting strategies in the car. So I would encourage you to check that out. I'm also going to put in a quick plug for Mott's merch, which I actually happen to be wearing right now. You're themed at the moment. I'm not even wearing our own merch. I know. (laughs) That's amazing. She's out Mott'sing us, Steven. Thank you, Cecily. That's amazing. You're so welcome. Now, do you, is it the uh, the green the green one the green shirt the mint? I like that mint shirt. I did happen to drop a size last year, so I had to buy a new one, well which I'm pretty well, proud of. So I right. am in a new gray shirt. Oh, Excellent! Very nice, very nice. Well, I'm very excited because this week we are talking about Star Wars, and we're going to talk about the latest movie, Rise of the Star Wars: colon, Rise of the Skywalker. It's not that. It's never that. It is that. No. Star you Wars colon. The, 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 the. Star Wars colon Rise of the Skywalker. No. It the is Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> oh, it's terrible. You might as well just mess it all the way up and be like, Revenge of Skywalker. <laughs> Skywalker Rising. <laughs> Rise of the Solo Sith. I think that's how it goes. Okay. But you've only seen Star Wars recently. Is that accurate, Cecily? That is correct. Star Wars was introduced to me uh, by. Well, I guess the whole universe uh, was, I would first listen to it when I listened to your solo episode Uh, and you started talking about all the films and which ones were your favorites. And I thought, you know what? It's 2019. I probably should watch one of them. (laughs) And so I started with Jacob early in 2019 and now I have watched all of the Star Wars films. Okay. All right. Let's stop right here, Cecily. (laughs) And I'm going to need you to, I know that's hard to do, but could you give us a tour through your experience watching star wars movies did you start on four five and six and then do prequels or did you start one we did in order of release okay thank good well done jacob yes well done okay so could you give us kind of your uh your take uh your favorites as you go forward i know we've talked about star wars movies a lot on this podcast but we'd like to get your background going into it Yeah. So I love old movies and I feel like I have kind of an eye for the CGI. So I really liked the old movies and was just super impressed by the sets and the miniatures. I love in Lord of the Rings, how they did all miniature sets for their um, cities and things like that. And I loved that for Star Wars too, that George George Lucas did tiny little spaceships that they used. Mm -hmm. Movies were fantastic. My favorite movie of all is Empire Strikes Back. 
Um, There's one scene where Vader is staring out at the night sky. Well, it's always night in this in universe, (laughs) but anyway, this black sky with the stars and it's just the back of his helmet with the light gleaming off of it. Oh, I love, I just love Empire Strikes Back. So Mm. good. And then I think my next favorite is New Hope. Um, Wow. Just those old ones are just, they're so good. Yes. Return would probably be my third. Um, So those old, those episode five is probably my favorite followed by four then by six and then the new ones are so beautiful i loved the cast returning um so they would be like my next ones i probably would do like force awakens um as my like fourth favorite uh mm-hmm. episode seven. seven 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 thank you seven and that one is oh it just was so nostalgic especially because we did watch them in order of release so no, when you like say nostalgic good- you mean nostalgic from earlier in the year when you yes. watched the originals <laughs> oh. for the first time it doesn't take long for me to have nostalgia <laughs> oh, oh that's so good are you nostalgic for our patreon episode that we just recorded <laughs> <laughs> yes i'm i'm oh, glow i'm glowing memories of it already <laughs> So those, yeah, they're just so good. I love seeing the characters older. I thought that was a really neat touch. You never see, especially like older women. A lot of times there's just a really limited option for older women. Like it's like mm. Betty White and Helen Mirren. It feels like it's like the only older right. women in, in uh, Hollywood sometimes. And so I love them bringing um, Princess Leia back as general. Um, that thought was really cool. Um and then, so then my last Jedi would probably be my next favorite. And then I would put Rogue One after that. Rogue One was so good. Yes. So dark and sad and intense. So different feel than a lot of the other yeah. Star Wars movies. Not as much of that like carefree laughing and joking. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the soundtrack is much, you know, darker and all that. But Rogue mm-hmm. One is so, super good. And then I would probably do actually solo after Rogue One as my next <laughs> favorite. And I would put all the prequels at the bottom. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. That's great. For context, I subjected myself to watching the original trilogy and the prequels after seeing Rise of the Skywalker last weekend. Oh, I, so you've been on a I've tear. I've been on a tear because I wanted to, I didn't want to remember falsely. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch them again with the eyes of post episode nine but it says like i just want to hear after you saw the original trilogy and you went to the prequels Mm -hmm. what what was your like mindset and feeling as you were watching that episode one with jar jar binks oh so i came in with a lot of hope (laughs) because i you know i just heard people say oh they're terrible but i thought you know i'm in brand new eyes I have no expectation. You know, these people, they had gone from mid 1980s all the way until nearly like it was almost 2000, right? Was it 99 when Phantom Menace came out? So, you know, these people had been waiting so long. I'm like, okay, well, I've waited like, you know, two weeks to watch this. (laughs) (laughs) And it it starts, first couple of scenes are pretty decent. And then Jar Jar Binks in that whole underwater kingdom. I literally looked over at Jacob and I said, George Lucas wrote this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't believe this. This is so bad. Yeah. Oh, Jar Jar is unbearable. He is so annoying. Yes. So yeah, I was not a fan. I thought that the pod racing looked like a video game. I thought that in Attack of the Clones, there's this one battle scene on grass that just completely looks like a video game. It looks like the Windows XP screensaver. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Yeah. Like I got through it because of 
Qui-Gon Jinn. Yes. I got yes. through it because of Obi-Wan. Yes. And that's the only way that I got through. So <laughs> after rewatching them recently, Ewan McGregor was probably one of the only good things in those movies. Oh, I thought, Liam, the Neeson, I thought Liam Neeson was great too. Liam, Liam Neeson was great, but he was only in one movie. Right. And so like as yeah. a trilogy, just hearing the dialogue again between Padme and Anakin, it is so bad. Terrible. I remembered it, that it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And now rewatching it, I'm like, wow, it actually is as bad as I remember. Like, Okay, I know this is not about the, uh, the, the prequels here. Right. But I did just watch one and two myself did you? very recently. Yeah. I don't know why Padme is interested in Anakin at all. At all. Because his smiles are scary. He's got that weird rat and tail. Whatever whatever type of like flirtation he's using, it's this sort of aggressive aggressive approach. Yes. That so is weird. just like why are you interested in this guy at all? So it, and it made me think for a second Natalie Portman can act. Like I've seen right. her in other things. Right. But I remember watching these scenes and thinking Maybe they just, she was going for a, a very uh, wooden approach and Anakin had a, a weird way of talking as well, or it was a weird script. But that yeah. whole interaction, yeah. I had remembered Jar Jar and remembered the overblown CGI, but right. I hadn't remembered that Anakin and Padme together, so that bad. love story was rough. <laughs> that romance corner would get a zero. Like It was <laughs> so bad. The I will say, I, I saw episode three too. First of all, Jacob, I still don't know what you're talking about is why you enjoy that movie. It is also bad. When I was watching episode three, I will say the only time I believe Anakin and Padme is their last scene together when they're arguing and she's pleading with him to come back with her and then he like force chokes her that is the only time any emotion is felt i feel like in all three of those movies and i was just like these are these are terrible and so let's get to the new trilogy to some good cgi to some good cgi definitely some good cgi i also will say the lightsaber fights from those prequels some of them were pretty good yes you like that you like that darth maul spinning around darth maul's good obi-wan and anakin like those are pretty good and the cgi for yoda is good Mm -hmm. you know they they had some bright moments in there it's so obvious that the technology wasn't there to do large scenes with you know right minutes after minutes and they just if they if it wasn't there they either should have waited or they should have filmed it outside with as much you know sets as you can you know scrounge up for that real grass you know put people in costumes or whatever yeah. and just try to make it work. But yeah, that some it's of the downfall terrible. of a lot of the early two thousands sort of movies is just everyone. Or go was, Lord of the Rings and like make it dark and raining. So you can't right. <laughs> right, hide it. Right. Right. So we come, we come to the new trilogy, seven, eight, nine force awakens, last Jedi and the, the rise of the Skywalkers, the no, just the rise the of star, Skywalker, the star of the wars, the star of the, the wars. rise, the sky. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to make a, an opening statement here. I, I throw it around the idea of putting our ratings right here at the beginning, but it feels funny. But I want to make an opening statement. Okay. After watching all the old Star Wars movies again, the original trilogy and even the prequels tell a story and have an arc. The three movies are coherent. We follow the characters. We even follow some of the places. Even however bad the prequels were, it tells the story of Anakin Skywalker turning to Darth Vader. Well, speaking of coherency, the yeah. rest of the prequels, I just watched it, and yeah. I have about as much knowledge about politics and Naboo <laughs> and the Republic. That's and all, that, that's all ridiculous. That is as muddled as... Yes, fine. 
I find now seeing seven, eight, nine, we have a new trilogy. Mm-hmm. I do not believe it tells a good, coherent story. I understand that the problems with J.J. Abrams versus Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson directing Last Jedi and that being, you know, problematic or whatever. But I don't think the new trilogy is a good trilogy. There are three movies is what you're saying. Yes. The Force Awakens was good. Out of the three, like you said a moment ago, Cecily, The Force Awakens probably the best of the last three. Mm-hmm. This last movie, as we move into rise, The Rise of the Skywalkers, the, <laughs> <laughs> I did not like this movie. Ooh. I, I do not think this is a good movie, and I do not think it's a good Star Wars movie. I think that when you would try to make a plot of like write out what happened to let's say Ray, it would probably only take maybe four to five sentences to say everything that happens to Ray in three movies. So I agree with you. Yes. I think that Finn becoming a resistance fighter from being a stormtrooper is super interesting in force awakens. And then his arc from there kind of right. Nothing happened. And so one of the things that made the old Star Wars great is we actually learn and experience environments and planets and characters. Tatooine is like a planet in the first six movies that we can like call back to and like we enjoy. Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi and his like palace. Like we spend a good 40 minutes there. I find Rise of the Skywalker is so frenetic (laughs) and it is trying to shoehorn so much stuff. They are trying to use so much of old characters like Leia. Lando in this movie. And and Lando. And they're trying to continue the story of Finn, Ray, Poe, and too much going on. And they introduce new characters that we barely get to see spend any time with, mm-hmm. care about, and we see probably like twelve planets that I, I don't even care about. Mm-hmm. The only name I remember is uh Exical, which is a terrible name. Was is that correct? Exical, yeah. That's oh, okay. that's that's the bad that's the bad planet where the <laughs> oh, Sith, okay. where the, Sith live. the hidden world of the Sith. The hidden world of the Sith. So I, I just found like overall I did not like it. I felt it tried to shoehorn too much. It was frenetic pacing. It did not feel good. It did not give us what the old Star Wars gave us, where we care about like Rise of the Skywalker gave us none of that. That is my opening statement. I will give my opening statement now. Okay. I'm very conflicted about the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> because It has pieces in it that I really, really love. It has pieces in it that I really, really don't. But I'm going to step back and give a a macro outside of the galaxy perspective on all of these movies. Because I thought about this while heading to this podcast. I view these nine movies together like going on vacation. Okay? Okay. You go on vacation with your family. And at the very beginning, it's awesome. Let's just say we're at a beach resort. Uh-huh. It's great. It's wonderful. That's the original three. We're having a great time. This is a new world. I've never seen the ocean before. I've uh-huh. lived in the Midwest my whole life. This is wonderful. <laughs> so the originals, four, five, and six are fun. And- fun, uh, new. It is a four, five, and six had a world that, especially as a kid, but even into adulthood, uh, there was magic in it. it. It immersed me in a world that I wanted to go to this galaxy far, far away. And I could kind of picture myself being there with them. We get to the prequels and it is like too much of a good thing turned up. So you get sunburned by the sun. <laughs> you're out 
fishing all day in the ocean. You get seasick. Someone brought a sandwich on the beach, and now there's seagulls everywhere. <laughs> I think it's the idea of you. You sometimes you vacation too hard. Mm. You like on that cruise, you had that lobster, all you can eat lobster, and you Every ate night. way too Every much, night. way too much. That's what I think the prequels are like for me. We get back to seven, eight, and nine. And I think we're getting to the end of our vacation and seven settles back. and's like, remember that the great time we had on day one and day two. And you kind of just, you're tired. So you just relax on the beach. You're just enjoying it again. I felt like during this movie, the rise of Skywalker, I was on the last day of a vacation and I'm ready to go home. Ready to sleep in your own bed. I'm ready to sleep in my own bed. And maybe this is a, a greater, uh, okay. And the multi solo and rogue one fit in there somewhere. I don't have a great analogy for those. Anyway, we get to this movie and I get the feeling of, is this the end of my journey with star Wars? Because now this is a corporate Disney run thing. And I, I'm not saying that's bad, but it is such a broad fan base. There are so many people that have very, very, stern and important thoughts on it that a director no longer has the freedom to do what they want we can't have a three-story arc it is very much fan service to the merchandise to the to the world i've experienced this and i had a lot of joy along the way but i had the feeling of i'm ready for this to be done this sounds bad but i'm ready for star wars to come to an end I think that it's going to have to move into the direction that they're moving, like with Mandalorian and stuff, where it becomes Mm -hmm. a TV show so that less weight is put on every movie. Right. Cecily, opening statement. Yes. I really enjoyed the experience of this movie. I enjoyed the CGI. I enjoyed the finishing of finding out answers to questions that we had. But I agree. There were so many times I was like, but what? And why would they say that? And where are we now? And all of that, that I, I agree with both of you in your statements. So let's talk about some specifics. Cause you just said you got some answers where I feel like if you think about end game, end game had so many payoffs the whole movie felt good. And you were like, payoff, payoff. I see the ending. I feel like rise of the, 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 the Skywalker. <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker didn't give you as many good payoffs and open new holes. For instance, this movie opens up with Kylo Ren frenetically uh, killing a bunch of people in the woods, mm-hmm. which again, one of my notes were there's so much lightsaber in this movie. One of the cool things about the old movies was you get like one and a half lightsaber fights mm-hmm. and it's like tasteful. There's so much lightsaber in this movie. It's just like, I'm okay, we get it. It's cool, but like not a anymore. knight shouldn't be wanting to use their sword a lot. Just like a Jedi as a peaceful knight. Just waving it around. It's only in, in dire cases are you supposed to use it. Right, right. Now we get to Exegol and there's immediately a bunch of questions and like, so many holes now. The emperor is still alive somehow, but unclear because there is a literal tank of Snokes in mm-hmm. this place. Mm-hmm. Unclear is the emperor a clone? Is this the original emperor? And how in the world did he like ex nihilo create a hundred thousand star destroyers? Are there people on those ships? Well, oh, he's like- in sort of a, a Sith stadium, which I laughed at every time I saw it because I was like, I would believe if these were all like 
whatever Siths become instead of Jedi ghosts, if they just become sort of these Dementor-esque cloaked figures. Or I laughed to myself because I thought maybe the Emperor just set up a bunch of these cloaks. They're not actually real people. He just has no, like no, mannequins no. out in the crowd, like listen, doing a, sta- a, a type five stand-up <laughs> comedy. Wait, what's he doing the whole time? Here's the, here's the thing. First of all, it totally robs the ending of the Last Jedi because the Last Jedi is Darth Vader throwing the Emperor down the shaft. Not the Last Jedi. Um, Re- Return of the Jedi. Yes, oh, you're right, word, Cecily. So got him. You got so, him. The Return of the Jedi. Thank you, Cecily. When Darth Vader throws the Emperor down the shaft, like that is a payoff. It is Darth Vader turning good again. Right. And the Emperor is gone. They spent two whole movies of the newest trilogy without the Emperor. And now they rob us of that payoff from the old movie. And it raises so many questions. Everything about the Sith stuff, I was not crazy about, especially in the last battle. All those little like demon things in the stadium, mm-hmm. I can tell you, I feel like during the fa- final battle, when the score had a chorus, I feel like they were trying to make it seem like those little demon things were the chorus. And I, I was like, oh, no, that, sir. I, no, I did not, I <laughs> no, did not think that, but sure. Yeah, I and, didn't think that either. <laughs> and what were they doing there during the whole final battle? They were all just sitting there. Just watching. Just adding drama. Out. Yeah. No, I, it is not the Greek chorus. Now, I am the, not giving that. They are not getting that. They didn't so earn it. I think it was strange that they presented the Emperor back so early. Yes. I would have loved to see more of a, is the Emperor back kind of tease? Like, we, we're getting right. these transmissions that maybe the Emperor is back, that maybe Palpatine is back, sure. but we don't know for sure. I would have loved if he was never ever really back but it was just right. like he has these old he had these old memories that he's yes. locked in like horcrux-esque sort of things <laughs> off to the side yes but the fact that they show him right away is like well i guess there he is okay so that's how it starts well and i feel like we can't go through this movie chronologically so I, maybe we talk about categories okay i have a category then okay can i ahead. jump to the next category let's yes, go everyone what did you all think about <laughs> general leia in this movie not a fan yeah, not a fan. I agree. Like, that was a lot of my notes. I understand she passed away before this movie. And so I think putting her in the movie could be special. But they tried to put her so much into the movie and make her such a huge part of the plot felt weird. Right. It, it felt the way that I speak to my Alexa at home was the way that people spoke to her. And she, like, she <laughs> yeah, responded with yeah. like, I'm not exactly sure. I was like, wait. I, I know they have some footage of her and they were trying to write a script around it. It's clear they it were. Was, but it was too much yeah. for this movie and I didn't get as much of it as I wanted. And that made me sad watching those scenes because she never said anything important. It always just felt like she was giving canned responses because they yeah. had they had yes. this yeah. you know vague statement from before. It was like a Mad Libs. Like it was basically like every scene. And, and they tried to make her so pivotal to the plot too. She calls out to Ben Solo during the fight. To distract him. And they have the scene of her and Luke training as Jedis in the forest. And they do CG Luke and Leia in that one scene. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. it's too much. I don't know. I didn't mind that. Yeah, I think making her a Jedi was a weird move. Like at the one point that Rey calls her master at some point. Like in none of these other movies has she ever been a Jedi. She's never using the force. The only time that that she does seem to use the forces that she feels the presence of Cecily. Luke. 
she on, uses the force when she floats back into the ship in that last movie. Yeah, Remember when she blows in the, in the original trilogy as well. Oh yeah, about. oh yeah. In the original then, trilogy, she's more sensitive. She, to there's it. one moment that she's on the ship as Luke is hanging off of the bottom. It, it's right. in Empire Strikes Back. Right. Luke yes, is hanging yes, off yes. the bottom, and she's like, "Oh, Luke, we have to go back." Like that's one moment in yeah. all of the original trilogy that she ever uses the force, and now all of a sudden, like she's a Jedi and she has a lightsaber and she's the Ray's master like it just doesn't make sense I I would yeah I don't mind the decision but I agree there needs to be some more connective tissue between those two areas because even just having some nice like dialogue about how she trained for a long time you know back in Force Awakens or that she is even a Jedi now I think I would have liked either she's a Jedi master and not really a resistance leader or she is the general right Ortega yeah. resistance leader. I think they they kind of wanted both. Oh, Organa. Well, wait, wait, what did I say? Organa. Ortega. Ortega. <laughs> Organa. Thank you, Cecily. You're welcome. I want to expand that category and just talk about characters. Like you had mentioned a moment ago, Cecily, like Lando Calrissian. It's one of these weird things where, like, you give him this huge pivotal role in this movie. They were trying to figure out the ending of all these other character stories, like Ray and Poe and Finn. They kind of like fanboy over him and like that feels forced. And then we get these new characters like the helmet lady, Poe's ex-girlfriend on that planet. Power Ranger. The power. Oh, <laughs> that's good. But like, and then there her, and then there's the other, the space horse people, basically that whole group of people who are supposedly mm-hmm. ex-stormtroopers and they're riding space horses. And there's the one girl that finn connects with in one conversation Jana was it was it Jana? something like that but she was like yeah i was a stormtrooper too and finn was like you too and they had this weird interaction and again it's like these new characters that they're implying this huge story about but we don't get to care about them or really hear from them a lot and it feels again like shoving too many characters in it and like the new droid that's like one wheel i didn't care about that thing oh you didn't like when you said sad <laughs> That's my favorite part with him. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. And so K2SO, which is the droid in Rogue One, mm-hmm. I watched a couple scenes from that. Like, that was an awesome droid. I liked He's him. He's an awesome droid. He was awesome. He was funny. And I felt emotional, actually, when he died. That's two things where, in this movie, it was not funny. I feel like all other previous Star Wars movies, there's good, funny lines. Like, even if it's not laugh out loud, there's, like, humor. This last movie... It was not like it didn't have a lot of that. And two, I didn't care about the droid. Like I cared about K2SO. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's the trouble is that we're on the fourth droid in this. Yeah, that too. So we are, we still have 3PO and R2. Right. Because they're still alive. And we have BB-8. BB-8. And now they're adding another one. They just, there's just too many of all of the characters at this point. And we're supposed to care about C-3PO getting his memory wiped. And it's like, no one cares. And nobody cares. I didn't feel it. He gets it back like 20 minutes later when R2-D2 back, like restores him from a, a defrag backup or whatever. But watching the Empire Strikes Back again, when C-3PO was like torn apart and like on the back of Chewbacca, I felt for him in that movie <laughs> when they were like disassembling him. And I did not feel for him in this movie. He got torn apart mm-hmm. in the prequels as well. He was put, yeah, put onto that. Yeah, that's uh, right. The other droid. The other droid. All those droids are terrible. I would say as far as these characters... Uh, this is a problem of a huge, huge fan base because they can never, I mean, they can die off, but you can't, they have a hard time killing them off. 
so that we just keep adding more and more. Mm-hmm. But I think it would have been really impactful had C-3PO's mind, like, that's the end of C-3PO. Or, yeah. or even, yeah. like, I had, for a second, I thought, did they just kill off Chewbacca? You know, when, when Ray right. accidentally shoots right. the Force lightning yeah. at, right. that, at that carrier. Yeah, it would have been more meaningful if he actually had died in that moment. Right. Yes. It just feels like at this point in time, it's a swirling vortex of Star Wars momentum that there maybe there are just so many people involved in it that these characters, they can't die. And they can't... Yeah. I don't feel that kind of weight because I know, like, all right, well, R2-D2 is not going to be gone. He will stay around yeah. forever. I will, however, say I did like the new characters in this movie. I, it's a shame that they didn't really get much time. Right. I also feel bad that like someone like Rose, who they invested more in last movie, they just sort of just pushed her aside. Like, well, sorry, we have some new characters. Let we me, have Jana, who will like now be potentially Finn's new love interest. Okay, so this is what I want to talk Russell about. Russell as the Power Ranger. I would love to, Cecily, get your opinion on this. It feels like Finn has four girlfriends. Yes. Ray, kind of. Rose, kind of. This new girl, kind of. And that feels weird. Did it feel weird to you? Yes, I agree. Finn has the girl on the horse, has Rose, and has Ray. Kind of, it's it's very weird. So, like romance corner. Let's do let's do romance corner. Finn is like a romance triangle that doesn't amount amount to anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem. I don't think Star. I think Star Wars, for the most part, has kind of gotten away from romance in this in this last trilogy. Ah, uh, but Ray and Kylo Ren. But even that 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 kiss at the end or whatever. Yeah, I the think kiss it's, at the end. It's not. Cecily, what did you think about the kiss at the end? I think that they should have left Ben alive. I think that that would have been a way more interesting storyline to have like the Darth Vader character actually, what does it mean to be good or come back to the light? He goes straight to jail because he has killed thousands and thousands of people is how the rest of his life Yeah, what if they did that? Like, I just think that having him disappear, having them kiss and then having him like just disappear was such a cop out. It was so we will have to jump to that scene because I definitely want to dis- or should we jump jump to that right now? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say Babo Frick, the uh yeah, the little guy, the little right? guy, he was I loved him. No, could have done without him. Okay. <laughs> anyway. I just like the line where C3PO was like, "He's one of my oldest friends." <laughs> yes, that was yeah, funny. That, that was the that one was a laugh funny line. line. Yes, that was that one was of the good one. Yeah. Okay, so we get towards the end of this movie. Kylo, I think Ray and Kylo like her um sharing the lightsaber with him and them kind of be able to like grab things across their force connection was really fun. That was one of the best moves in this movie, I thought. That yes, was really neat. Absolutely. I thought it, I thought it was great added like context to their connections but also had a huge payoff for the lightsaber pass and i think that even the fact that it was a blue lightsaber that was impactful for me having only seen him with a red flaming lightsaber the whole time there was something about it changed you know now being the blue lightsaber that felt like oh he's a good guy now like that felt really good right and he's not wearing the helmet and he does the i saw like on i don't know twitter or something he does the han solo like shrug shrug thing yes um, (laughs) just like han solo did in the uh, return of the return of the jedi yeah but at the very end after we'll talk about the the battle a little bit later i want to jump past that to their connection go to romance corner here yeah he heals her (laughs) right or maybe not heals, I don't know, brings her back to life. I right. don't know if she was dead. Or... Potentially brings her back to life. Potentially, yes, yes. right. He uses that. Then he's kind of knocked out. 
I had the thought, is she just going to turn back and heal him? And they're going to kind of take turns <laughs> passing out back and forth. It's like a Romeo and Juliet on loop. <laughs> <laughs> they just kind of keep going back. That I did not like that kiss. At the, like, I think I would have liked a, a hug and a forehead press and a like. Forehead press would have been good. Hawkeye, Black Widow connection from yeah. Endgame sort of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I felt that, I mean, I know that, again, everyone's hungry to see, you know, shirtless Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley have a kiss at some point in time. Fans are hungry for it. I just felt like, oh, I don't, I don't need this. I, yeah. I know they have a connection. I know they have chemistry. So I guess yeah. I would say Romance Corner, they're high on chemistry, but Low he's on been, payoff. It doesn't pay off. Well, it's low on payoff, and yeah. he's been on the dark side. Like, I appreciate that he turned, yeah. but, like, it, uh, people wanted them to do some more, like, kissing in the, the last movie, oh, but he right. was still, like, full-on Kylo Renning, right, right, right. straight up murdering yeah. people, yeah. so that makes it tough for Daisy Ridley. Did you have a thought on that, Cecily? I just think that this movie would have been so much more interesting approaching one of the the main themes just pick one and yeah. run with it mm, right. it just was too many and it was already a two and a half hours that they just couldn't they couldn't give a satisfying ending for for all of them so they right. feel, feels like they kind of cheated you on every single one right right they gave me 80 percent of the way I would, say, yeah. I would say about 60 65 okay. but yeah with the healing thing that's again an, uh, an introduction to something new, where force healing has not been a thing in in the Mandalorian. I think that that was just well, a bad move in general. Like this is the ninth movie, right? Eleventh if you're counting the other ones, right? Um, and I'm like, down for it. I'm down everyone, for it, everybody. No, no. <laughs> but everyone has had medical treatment up to this point. Right. They apparently have some incredible medical treatment that. Luke gets like a new hand that's fully right. functional and has fake yep. skin and all this stuff. Why all of a sudden now they're like, oh, guess what? The force magically heals you. Yeah. But well, I'm not sure if the force is able to help you grow back a hand. Like that's well, going to be tough. Unclear. to clear. Uh, yeah, you're right. So with the force powers, though, too. It's like, His intestines apparently grew back when she impaled. Oh, that is true. Again, so much. So there's force healing and Ray has force lightning. She can shoot lightning from her hands. That's what takes out the ship. Mm-hmm. But there's been force lightning in other movies. There's been force lightning only from the Emperor. Oh, that's true. Only the Anduku in the prequel. So only Sith have it. So I get that, like, right. oh, man, it's interesting that she has it because she's a Palpatine. She is? Spoiler. <laughs> I, <laughs> he says spoiler after he spoiled it. I tried to do an audible eye roll. But so she does this force lightning out of nowhere. But then... A, never uses it during the final battle. And B, I have a qualm now after seeing all these movies recently. Why is it when the Emperor is shooting his lightning bolts from his hand, a Jedi can hold their lightsaber up and the lightning is hitting the lightsaber and I guess bouncing back at them and hurting them? Mace Windu. Both Mace Windu in that movie and Rey in this movie hurt slash kill the Emperor just by holding up their lightsaber and shooting the lightning back at the Emperor. Why doesn't the Emperor just stop? Why doesn't he just stop doing the lightning and stop hurting himself? Because his hatred is, I mean, that's his downfall, is he can't stop. No, that's a good, no. Can't, can't stop, won't stop. Basura. I don't, <laughs> Basically, that's the only way you can kill the Emperor, because she she can't kill him herself, so you just kind of got to block, bounce his own power back on him. See, I don't, and for some reason, she need, like when she had two lightsabers, that bounced it enough to kill him. 
But just with one lightsaber, that doesn't work. Well, I think she also said, I am all the Jedi. And that was... I don't like any of this. I like this that all scene. <laughs> Cecily, what, do you, what did you think about Rey, Kieran, all the Jedi? Yes. What did you think? Oh, well, when, that one scene where she's like, be with me, be with me. <laughs> They're not with me. I was like, this is so weird. Like, right. there have been space ghosts before, right? Or uh, force uh, ghosts, force I ghosts, mean. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'm I'm down with force ghosts. Uh-huh. Like, that's okay. But the whole idea that they're, like, all of a sudden embodying her and giving her their extra powers. Like, the force ghosts in the past, oh, I guess Yoda brought down lightning at one point. Do any of them do anything besides Yoda? Uh, Luke uh, keeps Ray from throwing that lightsaber into the fire, even as a force goes. Like, he he lifts that whole X wing out of the water. Right. I it, again. Yeah, these they're, are just they're holes. just like, they're like holes. the force ghosts never did anything like that in any of the other movies. They all now, just all watched sudden, and smiled. Three, they're in like the old they can do everything now. Right. Right. And then let me ask, what did you guys think about? Harrison Ford making a cameo. The man does not want to be Han so- <laughs> has not wanted to be Han Solo for 30 years. I know. It's so sad cuz he's the best of all of the old characters that they brought he's back. So like his yes. lines yes. from The Force Awakens, I feel like were way better than anything yes. that they gave Carrie Fisher, definitely anything that they gave for Lando. I mean, all of his right. lines are crap. <laughs> and so like and Eve, I yeah. guess R two D two. I like him coming yeah, back. Yeah, he had some like, good lines. It, it really <laughs> feels- you really liked his dialogue. <laughs> As a character, he's he's much more tolerable. He's the cutest. Yeah, right. But yeah, I I feel like if they could have gotten Harrison Ford to agree to be the one living one from the original, he makes a better character in these last three movies. Yeah, right. Then Leia, then Lando, then C three PO combined i feel like they brought him in early in force awakens he probably only just wanted to be, he's probably i don't want to be in more i don't want to be in more than one of these movies i hate these i, <laughs> I like it i like it that was better than your uh morgan freeman one last week Ooh, this <laughs> our guest but has now left the podcast now it is just <laughs> stephen robles and myself that's fine, Cecily. Strike me down and I'll become more powerful than you can ever. Unlimited power. Uh, okay. Anyway. I think you yourself said that you get about one in every ten, right? I do. So. <gasps> That's correct. Good call. Okay, yeah, Cecily, you got me. You got me. Uh, all I want, okay, go ahead. I wish they would have held off and brought Han Solo back at this movie. I wish yeah. he, they had held some people i wish it wasn't lando yeah because in my mind i think lando and leia could have been like the earlier the earlier one leading the new resistance doing their thing but no one has seen han or maybe even chewy at the beginning of this trilogy and i would love the idea of that like they're off doing their thing yeah that's a good call i mean they held off on luke until movie two right. hold off on Han and Chewie. Yes. That would be a big payoff on movie three to have right. Han and Chewie come back. Right. That's so I th- I think having yeah, having them come back in and leading this this group of ships that responds to the call, which is basically another version of Endgame. Yeah. I mean it's that that part still got me. But <laughs> I think Harrison Ford in any of these last three movies there's a disconnect between Han Solo and Harrison Ford. I felt like I watched Harrison Ford come back and do a cameo of Han Solo and not Han Solo come back. Yeah, because he's a dad and Han Solo being a dad is weird. It is. But I well, just- wait, 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 Cecily, what's weirder? Han Solo being a dad or Emperor Palpatine <laughs> being a dad? 
The latter. Good call. <laughs> Though Emperor Palpatine could have been a dad when he was whatever he was. A before. senator? I, a Naboo? I tried to forget. When he was the weird old man in the prequels? Yeah. Yes. When he was a weird <laughs> yeah, old man, it seemed looking. like, okay, well, maybe you were just like a weird young man and had kids, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. You're right. I, d- I just want to say that when Han Solo showed up in this last movie, it was one of the few moments where I actually felt anything. I agree. Well, because he got to relive that moment from Force Awakens, but instead of right. killing his dad, he was able to throw, do yeah, the right thing. I and thought throw that them. was the best move of all of that. This. Was nice. Yes. Yes. Agreed. I want to move to the final battle scene. Mm-hmm. First of all, so much going on. There's space horses. Mm-hmm. There's a ground crew. There's a tiny little antenna, and then there's five billion ships. There are so many problems I have with this last scene. First of all, you're telling me that one little antenna is holding the entire fleet of Star Destroyers down because they don't know which way is up. (laughs) Okay, fine. Yeah, they would crash into each other. (laughs) And for some reason, the Rebellion needs a ground crew to take out this one tiny little antenna that will disable the entire fleet. And then once the Empire switches the antenna thing to one of the ships... They go after that. They take the ground crew there and they destroy that. Why can't the Empire just go back to using the other little flower antenna that was on the ground? I don't like this whole ground crew. There's we have to take out this antenna thing. I think it's silly. I don't like it. I also find the whole space battle to be so chaotic and frenetic. It was actually hard to enjoy for me. And looking back at Return of the Jedi and even some of the space battles in the prequels, I prefer those to this final battle. I also am a little concerned about. A lot of the times that they get out of the spaceships in this in Star Wars in general, they sometimes seem like they get out pretty high up in the atmosphere. And I just think, how are y'all breathing? <laughs> they just hop right out. It's the midichlorians. I, maybe there's oxygen a lot further out from their their planet than there is on Earth. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah, a little different. But it seems like they're like up on the top of, you know, Willis Tower, like that high up in the air. And they're like, <gasps> breathing just fine. Is that a Chicago reference? I missed that. Yeah. She oh, did that. sorry. I'm from New York. <laughs> from age zero to age five. So with all the new things that this movie brought that I don't care about, they did not bring any new ships to the final battle. I'm a little bit of a nerd here. They had the Y wings, the A wings, the B wings, and the X wings. And we have Star Destroyers. And the only difference is the Star Destroyers have a big cannon now. Right. And I feel like if you're going to bring new stuff, like the prequels brought new kinds of ships in those battles, and those was cool to watch. Like the one time you can introduce something new and you don't have to explain it a bunch, they didn't do it. And it was like, uh, well. I didn't mind that at all. I mean, because then you got you to gotta produce new toys. You got to produce new Lego construction. Exactly, which goes to your point, which is all the merchandising. They should have done that. Anyway. I also just felt like the the final battle didn't need to happen at the same time that Ray and Ben are fighting the Emperor. Because right. essentially, when she beats the Emperor, doesn't it all just like fall apart? Or do they shoot him down at that point? I'm a little fuzzy on this whole thing. I think it's a it's happening at the same time because I think the planet starts falling apart. But in order for the ships to all fall apart i think they had to get rid of the main the main ship prime my point exactly it is a very confusing thing with especially why there yeah, is I've seen even this a movie twice crew. and i'm not clear on what's going on <laughs> See, this is a little thing. i did like all of the ships 
showing up and responding to the call. That's a cool. Yeah. There is like one really cool shot of them yes. just like all like coming to a stop and yeah. filling and the line. The sky. It's not a navy. It's just people. It's just like people. I felt that in my heart. I was like, oh. <laughs> that was it good. is the people. That was good. I have to talk real quick about stormtroopers and the first order or whoever, whatever. What's this, the final the order? Final order, right? Which, I mean, okay. Let me let me say something. And I heard this. I have to say, I heard this. I think on Twitter, so I can't take credit for this. Uh-huh. We find out during this movie that there are more people like Finn who right. were stormtroopers who were kidnapped as kids. Yes, and then either brainwashed or kind of just raised to be stormtroopers. Right. right? Yes. The stormtroopers constantly try to arrest the quote unquote good guys in this movie. They're like, hey, hands up. Oh, freeze. The good guys shoot so many stormtroopers. <laughs> Reckless abandon. They do not take anyone hostage. I mean, like, the stormtroopers actually like are trying to arrest them and not shoot them. Right, at, right you know and then the good guys just murder some stormtroopers and it wasn't until this i i'm fine with killing these faceless drones like when along they're clones. the way well, when they're they clones. originally clones. like a clone yeah, army yes. yes yes there is something that feels a little once i know once the ignorance is no longer bliss and i know that some of these were kids like finn who are maybe just trying to like do their job <laughs> or just trying to like do their thing the fact that we then just go like oh well we're just gonna kill these guys so I yeah uh, I think that is a a strange choice because now I think now I feel really bad about these guys that were on the carrier that Ray destroyed with for- force lightning. I agree. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that, but that makes total sense. They they really now all could be people that could be turned <laughs> to the back to the light, and they've just destroyed all these potential resistance fighters. Right. They're just because like they're probably just worker bees trying to do their thing. Uh, kidnapped children from distant islands. Who are <laughs> now, now all of a sudden, this is a tragedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different type of movie now. I do have to say, what did you feel about the line? You know what you are. You're difficult. Oh, I don't remember that line. Who says that to who? Uh, Ray says it to Poe as he's coming off the. Oh, yeah. The Millennium Falcon at the beginning. She's like, you know what you are? You're difficult. I'm like, this is the dumbest writing. Who wrote this stuff? <laughs> Sometimes I, like, I really believe their friendship and connection between those three, especially. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's like they don't really know like what they're trying to do. I just feel like as they were storyboarding this, there was a good writer who was on staff. Mm-hmm. And they like had come up with certain lines for certain storyboards. Right. And then they that writer, you know, went on vacation and somebody else filled in for them and wrote some of the dumbest lines to fill in in the middle. Yeah. And so you're like, it's a good line one minute. And then the next thing someone says, it's like, so one at one point um, I had wrote this down because it was so dumb. Um, Finn says, we're not alone. Good people will fight if we lead them. And then right. the next line he says is, we'll show them we're not afraid. And I was like. I would be afraid. You're <laughs> supposed to be afraid. Like, this is scary stuff. Yeah. I think it's almost as if some of the writers looked around the room and found you know, those inspiration memes yes. and were like, well, yes. we want to insert this idea of this noble uprising and the fact that, like, there, we all have a chance to make a change, which this movie also uh, then says, no you don't actually all have the chance to make a change because you kind of have to have Skywalker or Palpatine bloodlines yeah, in order to be You only can do powerful. it if you're Rey. Right. Sorry. 
Sorry, you guys can try if you want. You can sacrifice yourselves. Yeah, it is really interesting how they're like, as they're making the universe bigger with more droids, more characters, bringing the old movies, and now there's new characters. At the same time, they're like, but there's only one character that matters of mm. all of these people. <laughs> right. And it's just Ray. Right. There still is just one person who can do this. Before yeah. we get to towards the end of this discussion of the rise of Skywalker, I wanted to talk about the plot for a second because there are some, maybe I haven't been great at expressing some of my positivity about some of the elements in this movie that I really did enjoy. You had mentioned this in your opening statement, Stephen. The plot of this movie, which is a scavenger hunt, if I'm going to try to, I'm going to try right. to put it all together here. Right. I won't do it well, but here's what it is. There are resistance fighters who are trying to find a mystical dagger that the mystical dagger that they go to try to find will lead them to a mystical map. And the mystical map will take them to a planet that can't be found. And by doing that, then they will go to this planet and kill the Sith. That, I need to get this, to get this, to the, get this, to get this, is like a seven-planet journey that is so like discombobulated yes. that it just points you towards just... It's like unlocking levels on a video game. Exactly. Yes. Just so you can get to the final level, which is Dark Lightning World. Right. Which would, that would be a tough planet to live on, to be honest. <laughs> Seems difficult. Is it always dark there? I don't know. Eh, That's tough to say. It's like New York in the winter. But it's I think that, funny. like, it w- didn't have a plot that I could really follow with. Be- yeah. Because that whole journey from we need to find the dagger to find the, the little triangle map thing. Yeah. Um, and the, the da- oh, sorry. Before we find the dagger, we need to find the, go to find the ship with <laughs> the guy who used to own the dagger. And the ship will take us to something else, like, along the way. Yeah. That is so not important to Ray's journey, which I think... Right. I, lo- I mean, I love Ray. Yeah, I do In too. general, yeah. in this. I think she's amazing. She is the character... I think we've said about this be- before, but, like, if I had a daughter, I would be like, you can be like Ray. Like, she's yeah, awesome, sort yeah. of thing. But that whole journey throughout the movie felt so superfluous to the yeah. real stuff. I was like, oh, I get it. You're just trying to take me to these different planets. I had also thought of you. There's like this faceless group of mercenaries that Kylo, I guess. The Knights of Ren or whatever. Is that what it is? The Knights of Ren? The like, Knights of Saint mm-hmm. I thought of you because that's always a huge problem you have in movies of like these faceless, literally faceless characters yeah. that don't say a word, but they're like in all these scenes to try and bring, I guess, suspense or intimidation. Like, intimidation. And it's like, if you have to. There play- were the red ones in Last Jedi yep, too. In the throne room. But the throne room guys, I feel like get a little bit of a pass because like they are accessories to the emperor. These mercenaries in the rise of the Skywalker, the <laughs> they're in so many scenes and never really amount to anything until the, at the end when Kylo Ren just kills them all. And again, I just felt like superfluous. And I thought like the treasure hunt thing too. I was like, this is meh. Like that uh, Sith wayfinder. That's what it's called. The, wayfinder. the Sith wayfinder. It looks like a save point in a video game. <laughs> <laughs> literally that i was just like no no that, that and that dagger had the little edge that lined up to the destroyed death star which had to stay exactly like it was supposed to for years i guess <laughs> nothing can break on and it's just nothing like we hit it we hid the wayfinder and that little point and you got to pull out the secret thing on the dagger which is like a 
what's the thing to do angles? What's that called in math? The little plastic compass. Yeah, protractor. Protractor. What, what did you say? Compass. That's not a compass. I was like a protractor. I, don't know. I was like a protractor. Protractor. Anyway, okay, real quick. Things I did like, like you just said, Nate. I like Ray. I think she does a great job. Training scene in the forest. I dig it. That I was like, man, honestly. Honestly, her like, her floating in the air with those rocks going whatever. around her. I've seen enough floating rocks. The last movie literally ended with her floating rocks. <laughs> Nothing new. Anyway, she's but stronger. I like Ray. I like stronger Ray. than she's ever been. I like Ray. I like Kylo Ren. I think he does a great job. He might be the MVP character across these three movies, honestly. And I like the crazy waves by the Death Star. That scene, and just visually, like I like that. Uh huh. Her taking that little skimmer up those giant yes, waves. That's, that's cool. cool. That's cool. And the yellow lightsaber she has at the very end of the movie. Yes. That was super cool. I wish she had that for the final battle. Oh, okay. I have something to talk about that after this. But Cecily, what were your favorite parts of this movie? So I wrote down a few things. And all of them, I'm realizing, were all the things that were just referring back to the previous movies. I liked finding out. <laughs> to your early year nostalgia. Yeah, I liked finding out that Ray is a Palpatine. I liked that answer of like, okay, mm. that's who she mm-hmm. is. Cause this whole time it's been like, who are her parents? And right. and I thought that was really, that was, it was felt good to know the answer. Sure. But then like everything else I wrote down is like, okay, Han coming back. I liked the, when they brought back Vader's theme. Um, yeah. on, mm-hmm. When it's the final yeah. order, they play Vader's theme over that, which I thought was really great. I liked a, the, when they bring the X fighter back and that when Ray wears Luke's old helmet, like all yeah. of the moments from yeah. it, I feel like are just throwbacks to the original movies. Right. And it's, and even the part where, where Palpatine says, as I fell, so falls the last Skywalker. Like I thought that that was really cool that he called like Ben a Skywalker and right. all the things that I, that I like, I guess are just callbacks because they were in episode four, five and six. Mm hmm. I still, I, I think Lando. I, no, I think Lando's good. No, 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 Lando Calrissian. It's two against one. We both hate him. You're, you're no, both. No. Well, I want to be. Yes, I like him in the originals. Okay, okay. I'm going to try to convince you both. Uh huh. Lando Calrissian comes in at a weird time of this movie. Mm-hmm. By the way, I like that colorful party on the planet. I that thought was that was a lot party. of fun. It was yeah, okay. It was- the little kid CG piglet looking aliens. He, I wasn't crazy about that. She had to give her the the necklace so that Kylo could take it. It's a yeah. plot device. Yeah, it's a plot device. But yeah. Okay. But like, yeah, he came in at a sort of at a weird time in the movie and he had a weird role in the movie. But yeah. I still think that Billy D. Williams as Lando, his smile is still infectious. He's still like his laugh when he's up with Chewie, like yeah. their reunion in the Falcon is still feels good. He doesn't have a point in this movie. He doesn't. <laughs> matter in the movie but he's still fun to see and that's all i can hope for in in these cameos i just wish they like almost like they wouldn't have given him any lines because the biggest letdown is like pose like lando how did you do it back then how did you and he's like at each other you were the coolest yes we had each other like that's uh, so disappointing I, I still liked his uh he mentioned at some point in time like tell tell Leia something. And I like the feeling that although they didn't end up together, he carried a kind of like deep care for her through the years. I thought that was a yeah. fun quick Ray also like shoots back 
tell her yourself <laughs> in that scene, which is a little weird. Also, though, Landy, Lando, <clears throat> Landy. To his friends. Excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Lando the Calrissian uh-huh. gets super creepy at the very end of this movie when he starts talking to that ex-stormtrooper yeah. girl. Yeah. Like, aren't I right, Cecily? Isn't it like a weird look yeah. and vibe? Oh, I thought I yeah. thought he was going to like take her under his wing. I thought it was like, be know. like my, 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 my mentee. <laughs> it's a weird wing. Maybe you shouldn't have said, let's find out. It maybe felt a little bit like oh, he yeah. was the trying smile. to make a pass on her. Right. It felt weird. No, I'm, I'm okay. I didn't convince you guys, but I'm pro Lando <laughs> in this movie. I think Lando he was fine. Is on, I literally put all of Lando. They're under things that bug me. <laughs> all of Lando. <laughs> I also got thrown off by the Hobbit guy in this movie. I don't know why. The Hobbit guy? Yeah, the, the oh, actor from yeah, the um, Do- Dominic Monaghan, is that his name? Ma- he sings in the return. He sings in the uh, the third Lord of the Rings movie. No, that's someone else. You, you have the wrong guy. That's Pippin. Um, oh, right. This is, I'm sorry. Mary. This is Mary. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> owned. Owned. You've been <laughs> geek owned. Yes, I, I, was, I was geek owned. But like him in this movie threw me off because it was like he didn't have a huge role. He just had a few lines. But I was like, what? what is he doing here? Anyway. Yeah, I felt like it should have been somebody face- faceless. Right, it's exactly. too hard when they bring in in the old movies uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Like he, it's weird when they bring in characters that are that are actors that are so right. iconic like that. Right, you almost it's just you can't really pull that off in Star Wars. They need to be new, brand new, kind of nameless people that you haven't really seen much. Right, yeah. you kind of bring in here. Also, it is never resolved what Finn wanted to tell Ray at three points. In I this didn't movie. care about that. I've done- <laughs> <laughs> I've done some research. Do you guys want to know? I know J.J. Abrams yeah. said something in an interview. Yeah, what you're about to say. Yeah, yeah. What did he say? He said that he was going to tell Ray that he was like force sensitive. That he could, he could, you know, somehow had some connection to the force. Why would Finn anybody- was pretty forcey in this movie? Yeah, he was forcey. He but was why- sensing some stuff. He sensed the the main ship that they moved the. Uh, yeah, but why would to. That, why would that even matter? Because like two times he's going to tell Ray that and it's on the brink of death. And what does it matter in your final moments of life? The only thing you say when you're falling into a pit of sand or quicksand or whatever that you say, I never told you that I love you. That's the only thing that you would say in that moment. So anything other than that I love you is this doesn't make sense in that moment. The fact that the film made it such a big deal, though, and spent like three segments of dialogue teasing that. I, if again, I feel like it's right. dumb. Like you mm-hmm. tell me what to care about, mm-hmm. and then you never. There's no payoff again. Mm-hmm. Like it just didn't. It didn't pay off. Speaking of no payoff, what about General Hux, played by Donald Gleason, who was set up to be sort of the main bad guy during this trilogy, uh, the red-haired uh, first one oh, captain, yeah, yeah. who yeah. after he like they find out he's the spy or whatever, they just shoot him or whatever. Dude, like kill oh, him. you're done. Yeah, again, like, I didn't believe that he was a mole. And they asked him, why are you helping us? He was like, I just don't want Kylo to win. Like, that sounds petulant and, like, not enough motivation to do what he's doing. He's, he sounded in this movie like someone who had high aspirations but kind of just gave up and is kind of just, you know, clocking in and out at the First Order now. Like, his all of his dreams are gone and he's just like, I'm just here to work on the Star Destroyer. I go back to my room and watch Netflix. <laughs> I I wasn't crazy about that. And I also wasn't crazy about the whole Chewbacca being imprisoned sequence. I feel like that was a whole side plot 
that you could have totally just taken out of the movie and there would have been no bearing on the movie itself or the movie's plot. I didn't mind yeah. Chewbacca getting kidnapped, but again, I was actually kind of impressed when I thought they had killed him off. So Right. Well, that's, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that it would have been more impactful had he just, if that had been the end of him. I mean, they've killed off, um, sort of killed off Luke, you know, they've killed right. off Han. And like it, Leia this is, in this movie. it might be time. And I wouldn't, I don't know if Leia was actually dead at that point, but yeah, they're going to kill off Leia. Like maybe it's time for that to be the end of Chewbacca, but right. yeah. I think they needed an excuse for her to get onto his ship and find the dad. No, is that what it was? No, you guys, I think Chewie had the dagger in his bag. Okay. Oh, that maybe that was it. Yeah. Anyway, man, huh. <laughs> so I'll have to say about that. Are we close to rating this movie? I'm, I think I'm ready. You ready? Cecily, are you ready to rate this movie? I am ready. We're going to rate this movie on a scale of zero to five. Thus. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. No, that's silly. That's silly. No, zero to five yellow lightsabers, because I really wanted to see more of that. Oh! You had a thing about that. I did have a thing. Yeah, Thanks for funny. bringing that, me back yeah. to that. Uh, this is going to sound petty, because it is. At the end of the movie, the woman comes by on Tatooine right, yeah. after she buries a lightsaber and right. asks for her last name. Right. Yes. And she says, Skywalker. Skywalker. Right. I don't know how I f- feel about that. I know she's like, kind of feels like an, uh, grafted in, adopted <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> sure. But I, I thought that she was going to say Palpatine because. Uh-huh. She found out that her parents, who were Palpatines, right. tried to protect her and like keep her from her evil grandpa. Sure. And like I thought that part of the message was going to be like, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the lineage yeah. that you come Leia from. Leia actually says that. Never be afraid of who you are. Never be afraid of who you are. So I thought at the end she was going to proclaim like Palpatine, embrace it as, hey, I yeah. know that it comes from a a bad past. Just like Picture this. She says Skywalker on Tatooine. Right. You know what the people on Tatooine know about Skywalker? Anakin Skywalker, who became Darth Vader. Well, they also know Luke, though. Luke grew up in the same place. And then left. <laughs> well, then left. Okay, here. Okay, my final question to both of you. I'm just saying, she's, she's not a Skywalker. I, I, well, I have a quick twist to this. So, yes. alternate ending. Uh-huh. Ben is alive. Uh-huh. They get married. Smoochy, smoochy. Then she technically is a Skywalker in law. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. She would technically be a solo, but yes, she's a Skywalker. She really is. They could both be standing there on Tatooine and they, she asked the last name. Blue milk in their hands. Put their arms around each other and they look at each other and they're like, are we going to say solo? And they look at her and they say (laughs) Skywalker. And she says Palpatine at the same time. And they look at each other like, oh, we need to talk. But uh, okay, so the title of this movie is Star Wars colon The Rise of the Skywalker. No. (laughs) What Skywalker is the title of this movie about? Ben. Cecily? I think it's Ray. I wish it was both of them. See, this. This is, again, I think points to the holiness of this movie. Holes everywhere. Oh. Because, <laughs> I thought you were going to give a... No, no. Because, biblical etymology. Because Kylo Ren is Skywalker. Well, actually, he's Solo, but... I changed my answer. I think it's Ray. I think it's Ray. Which makes even less sense. 
because she's not at all like even close. And like you like to your point to say her name is Skywalker when it's not even she's not even in the same family tree. I feel like I guess it's warm uh, and fuzzy. But she like, was saying, I mean, I thought it would have been impactful if she had said Palpatine and like, hey, yeah. you own your. But, but I, I, I get what she was saying. Yeah, she's yeah, saying yeah. it doesn't matter what your family actually is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're kind of. But I feel like it's adopted. The title of the movie. <laughs> I feel like the title of the movie would feel better being referring to Kylo Ren because he is the one that changed. Yeah. Because honestly, like Ray. She's to be the throughout. redemption of Skywalker. This is what I'm saying. Like he was like he was the only character redeemed. Like Ray's been good all three movies, pretty much. Like mm-hmm. even in that middle movie. So anyway, I just feel like it's it's just weird. So yeah. all right. Let's rate this movie. Zero okay. to five yellow lightsabers. I'm giving it a two. I'm giving this movie two lightsabers. I would rate many of the other Star Wars movies above this one. I feel like the only ones that are worse than this are the prequels because of the terrible things. But like outside of the prequels, this is the bottom for me. I I dare say I would prefer Solo over this movie. Oh, oh. shots fired. The yes. Just just because like even again, like even if Solo tells a bad story, it or tells it badly, like it told a story. It at least gave us a story of Han Solo in the past. I feel like this trilogy ending with this particular movie barely gives us a good story and doesn't really tell it that well. And so I would say this movie is a two for me. Cecily. I am. I am a little torn. Cause I, the more I think about this movie, the, the farther down my rating goes, when I walked right. out of the theater, I was like four and a half. Yeah. And I, I was, like I was high on it, it after watching it. I really was. Yeah. Yeah. You just, the more it, it's, it, they did an excellent job of like, pushing the right nostalgia buttons. John Williams killed it in this soundtrack. It yeah. is great. He did. Like yeah. all of it is like in the moment and the CGI is so beautiful. You love it. And then you sit back and you think about everything that's going on and you just go, what? Like it just doesn't. <laughs> right. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to go right down the middle. I'm going to go 2.5 right down the middle. 2.5. All right, Nate. I'm going to give the rise of Skywalker three yellow lightsabers okay i think i walked out of that theater thinking four i don't like to think of it as the end of this latest trilogy i think i have higher thoughts on it because i picture it it's the end of nine movies it's the episode nine at the end of a a long thing so it's not wrapping up stuff that was necessarily in seven it's trying to wrap up stuff that was in four you know, in, in a new hope along the way, it's returning to that thing. Yeah. And I feel like I've been sort of negative on the whole thing, but it really was a fun theater experience. I saw it in like Dolby Atmos sound. And when John Williams score comes on and blasts you with that first like brass note. And then like, it I had jumped left in, in my seat. I knew it was coming and I yeah, jumped. <laughs> it's so good. And like it has like this great left and right like play between yeah. them and the, the sound was excellent. I had a lot of fun in this movie. I think Ray is a great hero. I think Finn and Poe are very likable. Likeability in general is like that's part of the battle for it. Yeah. The plot was incomprehensible at times. I didn't really care too much about the Emperor. But there were enough moments in this where I thought, I enjoyed, I'm glad I went to the theater to see this. Overall, I'm going to give it a three. I, I w- maybe 
came out of there, like you said, Cecily, like a four and a half or a four after seeing it, but mm-hmm. it's been tempered since then. And having this discussion. Yeah. Last question. Yeah. What'd you think about when Ray sees evil Ray with that cool red lightsaber? There's like a flash of Ray with like long teeth. With her pointy teeth. With pointy mm-hmm. teeth. Vampire Ray. That was a little creepy. Yeah. That was say. super creepy. <laughs> Welcome to the end of this podcast. This is your host, <laughs> Nate Baranowski, in the top five corner. I'm here with Cecily and Steven, and we have spent a lot of time looking into the top five movie theme songs of all time. So what we're going to do here, because there are three of us, we're going to go five to one, and then we're going to do honorable mentions kind of in a bucket at the end. Steven may, if he has time during editing, may give us some clips of these, but don't count on it. <laughs> I will. They're pretty easy to find. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And I do want to note that I specifically found movie themes and not original songs because that opens a whole new can yes. of worms when yes. you start going with original songs. Right. So, All of okay. mine do not have singing. Correct. In them, same, right? Same for me. Okay. Yes. They're instrumental. Yes. Well, Cecily, Orchestral. as our guest... Give us your five to one. So my number five uh, Academy Award winning Chariots of Fire. Mm. (laughs) Oh, man. The synth is overpowering in that. But when the that piano just shines through, oh, it's so good. So good. Speaks to my soul. The synth dates it a little bit, but yes, it's great. (laughs) Oh, yes. Number four for me is a a blast from the past, Magnificent Seven theme by Elmer Bernstein. Oh. It is a Western theme that I think every other Western movie since that was created has just copied that feel. Yes. It it really is like the Western theme that is good. Like if you think about everything else, it's like, Oh, they're, they're all just kind of sad. Like that one has so much power to it. It's so creative. They use the orchestra so well. It's so good. My number three is uh, a John Williams Schindler's list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Perlman plays the violin in yes. a way that is so, <laughs> such a pull between. Steven is so happy over here. I'm so happy. Yes. He's, a, <laughs> he's in music nerd yes. heaven. Oh, my word. It The theme is simultaneously sad and hopeful at the same time. I don't know how John Williams could pull that off, but it works in such a way that all those moments that are so tragic and all those moments that yes. have hope because of Schindler saving people. Oh, it's so good. Cecily's preaching right now. She's preaching. Good. My, my number two is my man, Howard Shore. He won two Academy Awards for Fellowship of the Ring and for Return of the King. His score for Lord of the Rings, all three movies, is just mm. incredible. I feel like he could be on here several times for each, like for individual parts from those. In 
in the Lord of the Rings uh, motifs. Yes. Uh, what's your? Are you more of a dun 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 dun, dun or that? Na, 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 na. Yeah, what's, I think what's that. Your, um, what's your vibe? The Hobbit theme is less powerful to me than the actual Lord of the like the the Fellowship of the Ring theme. Right. Like the fellowship. Yeah. That one seems more powerful. The brass is really strong. Yeah. Um, and I do I also just really like the Rohan horse. Yeah. Yes. Sort yes. of Celtic. That one is also fantastic. And just the music for bad guys. Like he just he does a great job. Like the Urukai theme is super good as well. Like mm-hmm. all of that dark stuff. It, anyway, it's just beautiful. That's good. That's and good. my number one is the Star Wars theme. Exactly. It's so iconic. Before I ever watched a single one of these movies, I could sing the song before I I even Mm -hmm. knew who Anakin, that Anakin was Darth Vader, who was Luke's father. I, before I knew any of that, I knew this song. And so it just, carries so much weight to it and his leitmotif for uh for vader's theme and the force theme ray's theme is so good i mean it's just all so wonderful yes that is great that's a really great list cecily i thought about it for a long time (laughs) that's really good all right nate's gonna go all right i'll go next starting at number five for me uh i hope steven starts playing it right now because it is some of the best intro swelling music and that is the theme from Jurassic Park because <laughs> it just makes you want to say welcome to Jurassic Park it is perfectly captures the wonder mm. of seeing dinosaurs mm. in real life it has it's so simple but just that na 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 like that by itself yeah captures me so Jurassic Park number five uh, for number four, I have Harry Potter. I believe Hedwig's theme is the main one, as you can hear here. <laughs> You're but, so mean, Nate. <laughs> what the Harry Potter theme song does so well, that I think a lot of these do, is that you can play it loud and boisterous, and John Williams can just like blow your socks off with the sound. Or you can play it almost like in a music box. In yeah. those soft times, and just that. Yeah, you know when a composer killed it when the theme works super quiet and super loud. Yes, yes, yes. And just weaving it through. I think a good theme song. They they weave it into the the score. So at that that moment that you're supposed to just already like love the visual, it comes in with the sound. Number three for me is the Indiana Jones theme song. Do you have all John Williams songs, Nate? <laughs> I, have I wish one, you could see his face. I have one Hans Zimmer in here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yes, I love John Williams. I love all yeah. of his songs. But I have to go, like, Indiana Jones is my version of what Magnificent Seven is to the Western. Mm-hmm. It is ultimate adventure. It is adventure captured in, what is the instrument they play there at the beginning? Is that a... A French horn? Trumpet? trumpet? I think it's a trumpet. I think it's a trumpet. <laughs> uh, all right. Number two for me, Star Wars. The beginning of this movie 
just like any other, but with the great sound, it is the perfect way to start a movie. I get excited every time I hear it at the beginning of these new movies. I wish that they would stop making Star Wars movies so that I could just remember the <laughs> feeling of hearing it for the last time, but that will not happen because they will keep making money doing it. But yes, Star Wars. And then my number one is Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> By Hans Zimmer, Pirates of the Caribbean has, I would say, within one song, three or four iconic melodies that you could take apart and you can recognize each of them. They are fantastic. And they weave them through all of these movies so well. It even has parts in that main song that they can pull out for the dramatic, uh, yeah. scary moments yeah. and the Captain Sparrow, Jack Sparrow, like appearing moments. Pirates of the Caribbean, in general, the Curse of the Black Pearl soundtrack is amazing to listen yeah. to. Pirates of the Caribbean is my number one movie theme song. I'm not saying that the later movies used the theme song responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> this, I'm That's not kidding. saying that they... They are okay, used I'll appropriately. I'm just saying it is so good that they know that they're just going to like crush you with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My five. Number five, Schindler's List. Eat Sock Perlman. Thank you, Cecily, for saying it first. You're welcome. Number four, neither of you has said this one yet. And this wins because of memorability and I think originality, but Mission Impossible. It's an honorable mention. The Mission Impossible mm-hmm. theme. Uh, that, the beginning trill of yes, that Mission no, Impossible sorry, theme song. I don't want to hear that song for more than 20 seconds. No, no, no. Because it gets but, old. Right, but right, 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 right. just give me five second yes. clip at the beginning. Number mm-hmm. three, Pirates of the Caribbean. Number two is Star Wars, but I'm going to go with, I couldn't decide, the Imperial March Mm. because it is so iconic. Oh, good. And slash Duel of the Fates, which was the- How does that one sound like? I just love that work. And it's used throughout the prequels in all the lightsaber battles, which are the best parts of those prequels. So those were good. But Imperial March, probably number two. My number one, Jurassic Park. Number one, Jurassic Park. Being a trumpet player, playing that in an orchestra, it's very effective. It brings a wealth of emotions with it. So Jurassic Park is number one. I think Jurassic Park, to me at least personally, has the most, brings about the most emotional response yes. in me. All right. Like a, like, like a pile of movies. I'm just going to say Back to the Future because I just, I need more John Williams in my life. I'm actually not a big E.T. theme song fan. So don't, you can't accuse me of loving every John Williams. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, Mission Impossible and James Bond. Yes. I thought it was news on. Cecily. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I don't want to steal any of yours. Oh, I was going to say the Jaws theme because of its memorability uh-huh. and just, yeah. Oh, man. So brilliant. 
Yes, Lord of the Rings was in my honorable mentions. I love those music. And I put Raiders of the Lost Ark as well, Indiana Jones. Okay. And yours? List them off. Uh, Rocky. Oh, I, I smile every time that comes on. <laughs> that's good. That's oh, good. it's so good. I, the choir is unnecessary, so I figured we don't we won't have to count those words. <laughs> we can just ignore those. Yeah. Um, Pink Panther Ooh, is brilliant. That's good. I cannot. I can't get over how just how smart that is. Even like the ending where it all kind of falls apart and crumbles. Oh, so good. Um, Batman by Denny Elfman from 1989 Batman. That's a good There one. are six notes in the melody of that, and they just repeat it in the most interesting ways. I feel like it's just really brilliant. Um, and then my last honorable mention is Bridge on the River Kwai. Someone who can pull <laughs> out a theme for a movie out of a little line of whistling yes. gets a five stars in my book. That's the epitome of like military sound yeah, to me. Good. Yeah. Like, well, Cecily, thank you so much for joining us, for listening, for being our first ever supporter. Yes, and thank you, a, thank you. It was you. a pleasure and a joy to have you. We love oh. having you on. Thank you so much. I have very much enjoyed speaking with you today. <laughs> <laughs>